Welcome to the Scribes of Summer, the Athletics Dodgers podcast. I'm Pedro Mora, joined by Andy McCullough. Hello, Andy. How is it going? Hey, Pedro. Oh, it's great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Yeah, we're going to do a, um, a reader-listener mailbag episode. That's the plan, right? That's the plan? Yeah, yeah, that, that works for me. Um, I learned today that uh, the readers really like the song Center Field by John Fogarty. Um, yeah. So it's been an eventful day. Of just you learned that how huh? much I saw. Yeah, you learned that today. You learned you learned today that you you tried to troll America and America trolled you back. I didn't. Is that what happened? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone's trolling me because that implies that they're acting in bad faith, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Did you you can't tell me you didn't know that was coming, Andy? I swear to God, did not see that coming. Really. I mean, that was not the point of the exercise. Mm. Okay. Uh, I mean, you can ask Rustin. We, you know, we did this together. We came up with the list. and uh, But no, it was not a bad faith operation of like, hey, let's try and upset everyone by leaving out <laughs> center field. I know. I know. I know. I'm not, I'm not saying it was in bad faith, but I am saying that you knew, you know, you're very well aware. We've discussed this in the past, pro- probably on podcast <laughs> past. That people love that song. That song is so, beloved in this country. I was aware that people liked that song. I was not aware oh, people would come threaten on. to cancel their subscription to a news source over it. Threaten to? I'm sure well, they I did, hope man. Not. <laughs> Me yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was awesome being called a uh, hipster uh, who's trying to be too cool after producing a list of baseball songs that includes work by Paul Simon and Peter Paul and Mary. Uh, you know how us hipsters are, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that song is, is baseball. I mean, like you can't, you can't separate the two, right? I mean, when I covered uh-huh. college baseball at USC, there'd be like 30 people in the stands at the games USC baseball for its its incredible history is you know it's probably historically the best program in the country it, it, it's essentially nothing at this point but in 2009-10 when I was covering it the only good player they had was this kid named Grant Green who went for uh, oh, yeah. 13th overall and uh, and he was at the start of the season he was um it was between him and Steven Strasburg oh. to be selected number 1 overall it's a good time um but he uh, he went up to that song and um people the 30 people in attendance would sing along <laughs> it was the only thing that could get the crowd going the oh only thing center field was man. center field and so I'll never I mean it's it's like it's it was more important than the game yeah I mean that's fine dude I I don't like that song I don't think it's very good I understand your stance <laughs> I, I think I understand your stance and I understand America's stance, but I'm all I'm saying, <laughs> all I'm saying is how did you not I see it coming? There would be a little bit of pushback. I did not expect for the entirety of the day for people to be commenting on the story. Uh, what about center field? Uh, and there are people are also saying, uh, what about take yeah. me out to the ball game, which is a little too on the nose. Uh, but I did get a, an incredible uh, DM today from uh, Riley Breckenridge, uh, the uh, drummer from Thrice and uh, one half of uh, Productive Outs, who said uh, we should follow up and do a um, – a story called Worst Baseball Songs, and it's just number one, center field, and number two, take me out to the ball game. 
So I learned a lot today. I learned. <laughs> like sometimes, I think you and I have talked about this, but like a lot okay. of times people think I'm trolling when I'm really not. But I guess that's just a punishment for the way I act in general, that I've lost the benefit of the doubt. You, you, you do like a, you do a, um, your brand is like a, uh, one of your brands is like a, a defensible trolling yeah. where you're, yeah. So it's not, it's, it's fair that it's not exactly trolling, but you're doing it. I've seen you behave in ways that you are inciting act, uh, opinions that you know, you know, are going to come out and you're just doing it just for the, this for the shits hey, and man. giggles, which is um what I would define as trolling. You know, if look, we're just here to try and entertain. So it was, it was an interesting day. Anyway, let's talk about the Dodgers, man. Okay. You, let me read some of these. Uh, yeah, we got, a, we got some good we, questions. Uh, Thank you to everyone who suggested them. Yes. Thank you all. Um, I'm going to read one for you, Andy. Sure. This is from Brandon Greenwood. I've still never heard any sort of explanation of why Alex Wood knew the Astros were stealing signs in Game 4 of the 2017 World Series and switched signs constantly, yet none of the other Dodger pitchers changed signs in Games 3 and 5. Why did Barnes not do that with all of them? makes no sense in retrospect it definitely does not make a lot of sense or at least it seems pretty ridiculous right it seems pretty strange um the issue is that uh alex wood did not know that they were using a camera you know to steal signs he was uh you know he had uh some suspicions there were other folks in the dodgers organization who had some suspicions and uh you know wood is a fairly uh paranoid guy when it comes to signs uh, he's pretty open about that that he uses a pretty uh complex uh arrangement to begin with and so he wanted to do the extra work to um you know, basically make sure there was no uh, stone unturned, I guess. And um, he also, you know, I talked to him about this in December, um, you know, when things were, I think even before the official report came out, um, because it's something that I had heard about maybe a year or so later that, you know, when there was, when people were really starting to first kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, bang the drum about how there might be stuff going on with the Astros. And someone had mentioned to me that, you know, Wood had been uh, using multiples that night when none of the other starters, uh, you know, were willing to do that. And, um, you know, I kind of talked to Wood about that in December before the report. And he, you know, he was like, basically like, you know, I get why, players didn't want to do that it's a big and sort of mental um you know roadblock that you're putting up for yourself when you already got a pretty significant challenge which is trying to face an excellent baseball team on the road in a hostile environment and you need to execute you want to execute you know you want to make your pitches you don't want to be you know brett anderson one time i was talking about the him this spring he was like you don't want to be doing like calculus in your head while you're trying to pitch and that's kind of what is required when you're you know when you're running multiples at this sort of level so um a couple things um it's this was not austin barnes's decision austin barnes isn't the one who you know tells the pitchers what signs they're going to use this is a pitcher's decision you know barnes's job is to sort of fit into what the pitchers are trying to do and um darvish and kershaw both um you know decided to go with the signals that they'd normally use or at least the you know the the, the patterns that they normally use they weren't going to use multiples when there was no one on base and you know kershaw talked about this a little bit with um 
Tom Verducci this spring from Sports Illustrated just kind of pointing out how, uh, yeah, I mean, in retrospect, it looks silly, but at the time, there was no reason to suspect that they were, you know, using a camera <laughs> to steal the signs, and that seemed a little brazen. So they, I think, I think uh, what, you know, if the Dodgers didn't, change their signs if certain guys didn't change their signs it was because they were didn't want to mess with their routine in the you know the stage they were on in the world series and also i think frankly it's the same sort of issue that that uh hurt a lot of people in major league baseball when it came to the astros it's a failure of imagination a failure to believe that they would really be capable of doing something that brazen so um yeah i i i it's interesting you know it's a Wood kind of looks like a genius in retrospect, but if he had pitched poorly that night, which was certainly possible, no one would be talking about, you know, how he was ahead of the curve. He just would have been talking about how he didn't pitch well. So it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It's one of those things. What do you think, Pedro? I think that it's considering how widespread the the rumors were about the Astros at that time. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's um I would imagine that a lot of the players involved, and maybe not just the Dodgers, but even in the earlier rounds, teams that faced them in the earlier rounds that year, would pr- probably harbor some regret yeah. about not pursuing it. I, but I don't think it's something – I think it's a totally defensible act. Um, I think it's, yeah, entirely defensible to not introduce multiple sets at right. that time. I mean, like like you're talking about, it. It it's not exact – it's not like a um, – it's not a totally seamless right. transition. It requires your attention. Yeah. Um, and, and it's going to take away some of your attention from pitching. There's just no argument. I mean, like, it, it will it will prevent you from doing it from pitching the way you used to in some right. ways. So Alex Wood was able to manage it in a, in a, in a great way. I mean, he pitched as, as one of his, one of his better games of the yeah. season. So obviously for him, it worked wonderfully. It, it probably would not have been the case for everyone. Yeah. I think that's um, true. What I think is that the Astros shouldn't have cheated, right? I think <laughs> sports are better when people don't cheat. Life is better when people don't yeah. cheat. That's what I think fundamentally. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yes, they have regret. But, I mean, you can't, you know, I think probably they're, if you really sit there and lament it, you realize, okay, well, I'm being punished yeah. for doing the right thing. And, uh, yeah. When so, happens, when right? stadiums are full again in 2022, like, what do you think the reception is going to be like for the Astros? Like, well, people still care. I don't know. I thought about that a, a week or two ago. Like, is this going to blow it all over? Yeah. And my, my thought is that yes, probably. Right. I, I, I can't imagine there's going to be this much. I mean, it feels like nothing matters as much anymore, you right. know? Right? Doesn't that feel that way? Like, if there's if there's a game in, you know, if yeah, next year or something like that, it's just like hard to say that I would really be that, you know, so anyone would really be that upset at, at Carlos Correa or right. Alex Bregman yeah. or Jose Altuve. I, it's just, I agree. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overestimating or underestimating or misestimating <laughs> people. Maybe yeah. so I suppose. But uh, I I would be I was expecting like the Anaheim games to be just massive yeah. shit shows. Yeah, yeah. And I don't I no longer expect that. I think like when they go to Yankee Stadium, yeah, it'll probably be pretty rough and maybe like the first couple times in Oakland. But again, we're I mean, we're projecting so far into the future that I mean just who who knows? I yeah. Um, but it's a one uh, very small, uh, you know, subplot uh, that is uh, probably not going to be as uh, important moving forward. But yeah, exactly. So speaking of um, speaking of this season or future seasons or baseball being played, you're transitioning, fans baby. And you're doing great. Fans. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. Um, we received <laughs> another question from uh, at Eric B three, three, six. 
he asked, Kershaw said he will not play in a bubble. He'll miss his four-month-old child growing up. Other players echoing this sentiment. Will that doom MLB's chances this season? So just to add some context to that, Clayton Kershaw was interviewed by uh, Sportsnet LA, John Hartung, and he said uh, on that that he's not at all willing to uh, to be sequestered in uh, in Arizona for four plus months if that's what's required to to play the uh, season. That was uh, reported under uh, the so-called Arizona plan that it was one uh, option Major League Baseball was exploring to get through this season was to do that uh, as an environment where they could essentially create a biodome for for players to uh, for you know a thousand players yeah. and and thousands of staff to play a season. Um, you know, there's a myriad there's myriad reasons why that's not likely to happen um yeah so i guess my answer to will that doom mlb's chances this season i think that's i think some players unwillingness to do so is certainly a a um a damning factor but i don't think it's the only one uh i don't think it's the only one at all i think there's a lot of reasons why that plan is is unrealistic i suppose like yeah i mean mike trout and clayton kershaw both said they're not exactly willing to (laughs) do that not a good start you know it's yeah i mean those are you know those are two big dudes especially in los angeles so yeah mike trout though i was surprised to see again taking a stand on uh on an issue in baseball um as he did with the astros thing in february so uh no i don't think i don't know do you do you think it's fair to set to attribute that to the player some you know notable players unwillingness to dooming major league baseball's chances this season no i mean you know not if we're going to be pedantic the thing that would doom major league baseball's chances would be the you know the national pandemic um but like you know what i mean though like i i think the 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 public health concerns are so significant and they're kind of being hand waved away by you know some of these folks who are trying to concoct plans uh, you know understandably because they have to you know they want to try and come up with ideas to get baseball off the ground there's tons of incentive for that but i think you know there's this idea of like oh yeah we'll have ubiquitous testing or like oh yeah we'll be able to you know quarantine people and it won't be an issue and like i just i i think the public health concerns are you know so significant that um it's it's kind of difficult to like look at it as like oh once that hurdle's cleared they'll have to decide how to split up the money and it's like okay that's not a hurdle like that's uh, you know the washington monument that's like a huge impediment you know whatever um but i have been you know pretty i mean i've felt this kind of since the arizona plan first um you know broke and i was talking to you know some current players and some former players and i think the majority of baseball players would agree to play in the quarantine system uh, if that was the only alternative. And I think, you know, down the road later this summer, it may become clear that that is the only alternative. But uh, I think the majority of players would agree to play in that plan. I think the issue, though, is it's unclear if that's 51%, 75%, yeah. 90%. And I think the guys who are in the minority are going to be a like hugely important 
uh, like like big names, you know, Clayton Kershaw, Mike Trout, Zach Wheeler. I mean, these are just people who've been asked. You know, no one's asked like Albert Pujols. No, you know, no, like there's all sorts of just you know major stars, you know, future Hall of Famers who might not be as incentivized to play in, under this system. And and I think that is just another complication in what is a very very thorny uh, path forward. It doesn't take you know you can have eighty eighty percent of players be willing to do this and if you have that 20 percent be i mean even if it's three percent of the of the biggest right. stars in baseball can you really pursue a season i mean if it right i mean it seems impossible like if, if like for example if mike trout and anthony rendon were unwilling to right. play would that would that happen i don't i don't think i don't know so. i mean it would have to well be, yeah, and yeah would, would owners be, be, would be you know would owners be you know rip roaring to try and uh, negotiate down all the TV deals so they're all getting an equal split and then, uh, you know, have to pay guys, you know, kind of 4A type players who want to, you know, risk it for a shot. I mean, it's just it creates a sort of dynamic that um, is really problematic in a lot of different ways. And, and you know, I, I think it's it's reasonable, as I've said, you know, for the folks at Major League Baseball and the union to be trying exploring solutions that look pretty kooky because, frankly, there's not a, you know, there's not an easy choice out there, right? All the choices are tough. Um, at the same time, like, it's also, I think, a little ridiculous when the public health stuff is just kind of, as I said, like hand-waved away. It's like, oh, yeah, that won't be an issue. Yeah, oh, okay, well, great. Like, I... I think it's great if there's going to be, you know, ubiquitous testing. I, I really hope that happens soon, but it's not here yet. So, I, you know, I don't know why this plan is, you know, that seems to be like is going to start in May in theory, uh, <laughs> which is like, you know, it's April 20th. Um, yeah, yeah, I, you know. <sighs> Good times, yeah, no dude. No one, very few people are really. Uh, it's it seems like what I've been reading and hearing is people are realistic about the July, July August, yeah, September. Yeah, I mean, like maybe that's not realistic, but I mean, it's 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 like conceivable that, sure. some, that things could be better sure. by August. It's reasonable. It's not like, yeah, it's reasonable to it's say. It's not. That. It's not like saying that they could start the season on May twentieth right now. Yeah. I mean, that's just. That's idiotic, correct? Right? Yeah. But there's a there's yeah. August first is like you know I there's a I can we can sit here and concoct like a series of circumstances that would would unfold over the next six to eight weeks that would enable that to be reasonable, sure. right? It's not necessarily reasonable right now, right? But it's within the realm of what could become reasonable. Yeah, we could. Yeah, yeah. That's that's fair. That's fair. I would it, it would it would make me. F I would feel like as a you know if I was a consumer of you know the fan of the sport of baseball. Uh, I would feel me more reassured if I was hearing that, you know, from Major League Baseball that like, look, it's going to take a while, but we're doing everything we, we can to get this together rather than seeing stories that are like, it could be ready by May. Yeah. Yeah. I did notice that um, I did notice that I received um, some odds. You know, one of the <laughs> things about being a sports writer is that you get you get a lot of odds emails. Oh like yeah. Various uh, odds makers just send their odds to you and <laughs> yeah. hope that you tweet them out. You do, um, yeah, it's like, yeah. I get so many of them. It's crazy. It like that. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, mostly just that. That's mostly what I receive in emails. And um, what I've noticed is that, you know, every year you get a lot of them where they just project win totals for teams. Right. But today I received one where they were no longer win totals. They were winning percentages. Oh, that's aggressive. And the, the game done changed, man. Yeah, because they're, they're no longer trying to project how many games. Vegas has given up on trying to guess how many games teams are going to play this season. They're yeah. only 
only guessing the percentages. What would you um what would you what would you take over under if there if there are games this season, if there's a this season, the Dodgers winning percentage, a sixty two point five over or under. What is that uh what what does that translate to over one sixty two? Over eighty one? Uh no, no, no. Over one sixty two. <laughs> what what would a sixty two um I, that's, All right, hold on, see. I'm looking at this. Whoa, uh I take over. Yeah, yeah. Take over. It's 101.25? Yeah. yeah, sure. I don't know. Well, consider that, you know, it's if it's an 81 game season, it's harder to get more. No, it's easier. It's easier. It's easier to have a more extreme. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. You, you could go either way actually. I don't know you that much. You could go about your that. own way. Um, so you take the over? I guess. I mean, but you know, what's their team? Who's on their team? Yeah, lots of things. Like, uh, you know, what if, like, Clayton Kershaw doesn't play? What if Mookie Betts doesn't play? What, what if Mookie Betts is like, I'm not, you know, risking my free agency going to play in a biodome during a global pandemic? Yeah, well, he's not going to get paid then. Um, How much money? I mean, he made a lot of money last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. He was due, um, in, in a bit of trivia that I was enjoying, he was due to make exactly as many million dollars as he years old he is this year which i i think has oh. never happened before but is also never happening this year so yeah um okay with that brings us to our last question thank you for setting me up on this transition andy no I problem dude. Um, i'm here this for comes you from this comes from hashtag jfk your friend uh with the market probably down for free agents next year do the dodgers throw an offer at bets sooner than later okay so if you're the dodgers right and you wanted to like game the system what would you offer mookie bets uh today uh under the uh, the auspice of the idea that you know there's a roster freeze and so you can't actually sign him but what would you offer him uh well i, I was going to approach it from a different perspective uh i, I okay. okay i can answer that that's fine um i would offer him well if i wanted to have any chance of him accepting it uh, I would I would have to offer him, you know, uh, I don't something like three hundred million dollars, two fifty to three hundred million dollars. I mean, I don't think this is going to change. the The best indicator of what of what uh, of sports is right now of how like future contracts are are unfolding is mm-hmm. that the NFL. <laughs> I mean, I don't know I don't know anything about football, but I do know that the contracts that I've seen are mm-hmm. large, very large. There was a man yeah. named Ryan Tannehill who I heard is very bad at football, <laughs> and he signed for like a lot of money, um, like in the last. Yeah, few but weeks. quarterbacks, quarterbacks get. I mean, but I heard he's like not good uh, at all, Andy. Yeah, I think he has a good beard. But people, people have told me he's he's poor, like he's below average at the game. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Yeah, I mean that could be true. I'm pretty sure that's true. People, people who know football have told me that. So no 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 I mean he's not he's not very good I just don't know if he's uh, notably bad okay I didn't he's he's like the twentieth best quarterback in the league anyway that that um, sounds about right okay if um whoa he was the comeback player of the year uh in 2020, 2019 so uh, 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 so they signed him I on. mean okay well. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um, so maybe maybe yeah, I he was have pretty said that. good last hmm. year. I don't oh, yeah? know. I know what, what was you're his saying. quarterback know, rating. Uh. One seventeen point five. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You. I'm looking at the stats. Yeah. But he was also he was the backup who replaced uh, Marcus Mariota. So it was ten game sample. So okay, got it. It's anyway. I know what you're saying though. He's not. Uh, he's not. You know, Brett. Favre. He's not Tampa Brady. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tampa. Yeah. So yeah. 
I don't know that if, you know, we're assuming that this contract is going to take hold when baseball's back, right? And when baseball's back, I think that, yeah. y- yes, there's going to be some concerns about, uh, you know, as there will be with any industry in this country and any industry that I've observed in the world, there's going to be long-term uh, economic questions about what this pandemic will, you know, will... Yes. The the uh, the the toll it'll exact on the on these industries, but it doesn't. Right, you know, right. professional sports don't seem to be at. They're not operating as if they're at risk of, you know, a long term fold or anything like that. So I don't know. I I think it would have to be a lot of money. I don't see why Mookie Betts would think. I don't see why he, he and his agents would think That's at this point that they're not going to get several like three hundred million dollars next year. Um, well. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting it's an interesting dilemma. I mean the the, the answer is no one right is going now. to sign yes. anyone because teams aren't going to commit that kind of money without knowing if they're going to have you know a dime coming into their uh, you know into their mm-hmm. coffers this year. And Betts isn't going to take a team friendly deal because he doesn't need the money. So there's no you know real incentive uh, for for either side I guess there's just no way to kind of find a middle on this yeah you know yeah so your answer is that you wouldn't offer him anything right now that's that's I my mean, answer I would you know maybe try and yeah I mean I I just don't I don't see it yeah I mean may, you know if you want to try and be cute and offer him you know like one you know two years like you know. 75 million or you know what i mean it's just it's nah it it doesn't make a ton of sense yeah and the thing with the dodgers is and this is i get a question a lot from 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 fans about you know why don't they sign cody bellinger to an extension and that sort of thing and this i think this goes to even though that's in normal times usually that that question is is posed but it it goes to the fact that if cody bellinger is going to be worth a lot of money to the dodgers the difference between them paying him 25 and 35 million in a year or 40 is not maybe as big, I think, as it sounds. They they can afford to the, right. the the one of the benefits, one of the many benefits of being of taking in as much money as they do each year is that they have the the budget to pay. They can afford to pay premium prices, especially on short term deals. They've never shown an unwillingness to not pay right. guys a lot of money over the, a short span. When they're certain that the player is going to be good, they do not mind paying him money. So if, if I don't see why they right. they don't really need to wait to, to to advance. You know, they're not they're, they're not the Rays. As much as people think that Friedman operates, that Andrew Friedman right. operates in Los Angeles like he does in Tampa. I mean, the payroll doesn't bear that. You know, and they 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 paid Clayton Kershaw, you yeah. know, a, a, a large amount of money over a short term um, on his latest deal, right? In a way that I think they're always they're they're frequently willing to to sign deals like that. So they don't really need to sign Cody Bellinger right. to a ten year contract when they can afford to, in arbitration, right. pay him. You know, he's going to make a lot of money in arbitration, but it they they're not mm-hmm. they do not mind. And it's the same sort of thing with yeah. They're not incentivized, and exactly. and neither is he. He's not incentivized because he knows, yeah. um, you know, he's already making eleven million dollars, and he knows that money's going to keep coming in as long, you know, even if he's average or mediocre in the future, which you know he does not expect to be, and scouts don't expect him to be. The arbitration system right. will still pay him. You know, he's going to make fifty million dollars in arbitration no matter what at this point, right? As long as there's baseball right. played. Exactly. So exactly, it, uh, yeah. there's really it's just the same thing with this bets thing predicament that we're talking about. There's no reason for either side to come off of their their position right yeah that makes sense has uh outside of muncie has friedman done a like pre you know one of those like buy out a couple years of no i mean he signed chris taylor to a two-year deal but that was both those are both arbitration years Um, that was just 
Yeah. And no, I don't think so. Um, let's yeah. see. No, no. I don't, I, I don't think he had it before last year. I know he hadn't actually before last year because I remember writing about it and talking. And it was interesting because he was like the king of that in Tampa yeah. Bay, right? Like you had a good year with Tampa. They would buy you out like right away, right? So the fact that he went to Los Angeles where money was less of an object and – stopped doing those deals should probably let you know how truly effective team teams think they are i guess rather than a necessity used to lock in a player's uh you know arp cost i guess yes i think you're mostly right but i think it's important to note that it's it's not a, a weapon that teams feel like they need because you take on some risk right when you pay longoria what they did back then yeah. i mean if you inflated that to now right, it would right. be you know, because, yeah, right, he signed it. How soon? I have this written down. I tried to write this at one point. But it very quickly, maybe before he debuted or within a few weeks after he debuted, he signed a, a contract? He, I want to say he signed, like, he'd been in the big leagues for, like, three yeah. days. And um, and I've talked to him about it. You know, at some point, I do want to write about this because I find the concept of, like, very early uh, extensions interesting extremely interesting um when both mm-hmm. sides like w- when players take discounts like the rays keep doing that didn't they do that with another guy last year the low or Lau, one of those dudes anyway uh, br- uh brandon yeah. Lau, yeah. yes. so but they're they don't need to they just don't need to take the risk because they the if the player is good right. they'll keep paying him and, and they don't mind they do not mind at all and even the muncie deal yep. which you mentioned i don't think i'm looking at it now and there's only there's only one free agency deal bought out and it's on a team option for a fair amount let's see right for for 13 with a 1.5 buyout so they're not exactly like it's it's barely one of those deals and they're not even getting you know when the rays do it they generally are getting trying to acquire a couple free agent years and whatnot so right it's um it's it is very interesting i think i would not have real i would not have expected this when when friedman came over right you know in, in december of 2014 you don't think oh the dodgers are never going to sign a um a pre-free agent extension again. <laughs> yeah but it, it does it does make sense <laughs> yeah, in yeah, retrospect, yeah. Right? yeah no it's it's uh it makes a ton of sense and you know an- another thing about those type of deals is like a lot of times your pay you know the whole point is so you can get get a couple of free agent mm-hmm. years uh, from guys, but there's kind of a weird sweet spot where if a guy is young enough that he will be pretty productive in free agency, he's not going to be willing to give up free agency at less than you know what the market rate is. And a guy, and if a guy is willing to take that money for those free agency years, there's a decent chance that you don't want to be paying him when he's you know 32, 33. You know what I mean? So like, there's this weird middle ground that you got to find, and it's it's a player kind of like. Muncie, you know, who has, who is older and is really valuable, but also kind of has skills that seem like they'll age okay. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a weird sort of, uh, you know, Venn diagram that you got to find the center yeah, on. Yeah. It's, it, and that, and that goes to, you know, Longoria signed that deal in around 2006, 2007. And that, at that time, players did not yeah. quite understand uh, how teams were going to treat them when they were turning 30 or so. The game right. done change at that right. time. Right. I have this written down. This is a yeah. fun little stat. Um, I was going to, I was going to write okay. this. So from the, from the seven season span from 2008 to 2014, Ben Zobris and Evan Longoria, um, they they um how, which okay i'm going to give you i have two numbers here written down how much money they made the two of them and how many war they logged which one do you want me to give you and okay. you can guess the other for this is over 7 uh, seasons the two of them what are the years 2008 again? to 2014 2008 2014 give me the money they made a total of 45.3 million the two of them <laughs> for over okay. 7 and seasons and then the two pl- yeah 
over seven seasons, the two players combined were worth 60 war? 77. Jeez. So, <laughs> um, the, yeah, the rough calculation says that his acquisition and sub- Friedman's acquisition subsequent signing those two players saved Tampa anywhere from um, 300 to 600 million compared to the free agent market. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Good job by him. Yeah. They, they, um, <laughs> they, they made an average of 3.2 million and were worth on average uh, five wins, five plus wins a year. Yeah. <laughs> it's not bad. That is not bad. So yeah, that was a that was a wild time. You couldn't get away with that anymore. No, no, no. Yeah, the the, the teams are the, the the players are just smarter now. They understand better what they're worth. All right. Well, this was a fun distraction. This was a fun one. I enjoyed Andy this. Too, Andy. Some yeah, good questions. Thank you, people, and um, feel free to keep sending them to us as we um, as we as we scrounge for topics um, during this time. Yeah, anything you got, we'll take Yeah, it. we'll take them, man. You got something for us you want us to talk about, we're up for it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, and remember, you can go to theathletic.com slash DodgerPod for 40% off a subscription. And we're also doing a 90-day trial uh, you can find on the internet. Thank you.